welcome to this very special episode of Bickering Peaks. Today, we're talking all about On the Air. So, we're here with a special episode. Yes, very special episode. Uh, to talk about the other Mark Frost, David Lynch television project mm-hmm. from the early 90s. That aired on the ABC Broadcasting uh, Network. Corporation, yes. <laughs> the ABC Broadcasting... <laughs> on the American Broadcasting Corporation yes. Network. And it is called On the Air. On the Air. And Ironically, only on the air for three episodes. Three episodes. Of the seven that were produced. Yes. So it has a, a, not a checkered production history. It's a very short production yeah. history. So uh, just like Twin Peaks, they, they filmed a pilot. They pitched it to ABC. And ABC greenlit it. Yep. For another ordered six episodes. Ordered six more episodes. Yep. And, and promptly canceled it. Canceled it after the third episode. <laughs> uh, because it is bats crazy. Yep. Um, we're trying something a little different today on our podcast. We're gonna we're gonna employ the same methods that the uh, <laughs> ZBC network would have done. We're just we're letting our cat in today. So that's the she wants to be on the, on the podcast. Yeah, don't you? Yeah, she yeah, does. Okay. She does. So um, yeah, the show tells the story of the Zablotnik Broadcasting, Broadcasting Corporation. Corporation. Uh, which is a uh, send-up of ABC, obviously. Yes. It'd, be, it'd be in the opposite of ABC, Z- ZBC. Yep. Um, and it is about a variety show um, that goes sideways. And every every, every episode. episode. And yet the people of America love it. Yeah. So it's obviously a bit of a send-up of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and it's... it's it's quite interesting and, and thoroughly enjoyable to, I think, not just fans of, of Twin Peaks. I think anybody who's... Well, a fan has, of like, David Lynch or, ha- yeah, that, you know, maybe, maybe, well, I wouldn't say it's, it's Python-esque. No, it's, it's different than It's a that. different kind of surreal comedy. Yes. Um, it's Lynchian. Yeah, it is. It is very Lynchian. Um, in a, in a weird way. So it's set in the 1950s. Yes, yeah, set it, in 1957. 1957, yes. And it stars, uh... Well, Ian Buchanan. Yes. Who plays Dick Tremaine on the second season of Twin Peaks. Um, plays Lester Guy, who is a washed-up 1940s film star who um, is getting a, a late career resurgence yep. because of this TV show or... Well, he's trying. He's the trying show to, anyway. To, anyways, yeah. And this is his variety show, The Lester Guy Show. Yeah. And he is joined by a charismatic but thoroughly dumb... <laughs> Just straight-up dumb. ...blonde, very yeah. stereotypical dumb blonde co-star named... Betty Hudson, Betty Hudson, who has no acting experience, she is no skills really. No, she can sing. She can sing though. That's and how she. That's how she ends up charming the people of America. Yes. Is in this impromptu moment in the in the pilot where she um, sings her favorite song with a little music box playing, and yeah. it's and yeah. So yeah, that's those are the two main players. Then you have the um, the network president, Bud Bud Waller, played yes. by Miguel Ferrer, yes. who is um, Albert, of course. Yeah, Albert Rosenfield from Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, who basically is playing the same character. On your feet, McGonagall, you dink spine, you gob of jelly, oh, Mr. Bud Waller. But we're all so happy. Panic, pea brain. We are six hours to air. He loves insulting people and yeah, cuts uh, them up and and quick tempered and yeah. and very uh, take charge and everything yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, um, yeah. So he's he's in he's in charge of of the day to day running of this show on behalf of of Mr. Zablotnik, who runs the network, or is the the head of the the network, I guess. Um, so Budwaller is such a control freak. Um, he wants everything to be perfect every episode and of course nothing is ever perfect it's not just nothing's ever perfect oh yeah the show goes completely oh, yeah. wrong completely in the every first episode. moment of almost every episode but, but but what the beauty of it is that um budwaller doesn't recognize that the the beauty of these mistakes mistakes things, are like, what makes the show great enjoyable yeah. because he thinks he knows better than the american public what they want and we see cutaways of the american public watching this show and you they know, always, old couples yeah. young couples stay-at-home moms a guy dogs. working on yeah dogs watch yeah. <laughs> the show quite often um and they're all enjoying the show very much yes. so it's it's clear that that uh that the network president is out of touch with the american public yes. which is yes. again a, a little bit of a jab i think a meta is, commentary yeah. on on lynch and frost's uh experience working with network television yeah um, heads. Yeah, it's very meta. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it's very in in in, tr- in true David Lynch fashion. Everybody he's ever worked with is on this show. Basically, <laughs> I mean, there are so many people, either yeah. writers or directors oh, or yeah. actors behind the scenes, yeah. who are who are cast or 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 involved, yeah, involved in the production. In the Leslie yeah. Linka Glatter directs the second episode. I think. Yeah. I think oh, in another couple? one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Harley Payton and Robert Engels yeah. were writers. And Robert Engels, Engels was a co-executive producer. producer. Yeah. Um, you had uh, Joanna Ray, who is the casting the ca- executive. From Peaks from, did it yep. for this as um, well. And the cast is really well done. Like, yeah, it they, is. So besides the, those three, kind of, they're the core characters, I would say. Yeah. Um, you have the director. Yes. Lindsay, if you would ter- care to try and pronounce his name. I can do my best. He's from the old country. Yes, which uh, it's never clear which country this is, but it's something, it's something vaguely Eastern, Eastern European. European. You would think, yeah. Um, his name is Valja Gotch. Anyway, he mixes up his vowels all the time, and his speech is almost entirely unintelligible. And there's this chain of command that... Well, chain he of translation. Says, chain of translation yeah. is better. So he says it. Um, and then then the, producer, the producer of the show, Dwight McGonagall, yeah, McGonagall. attempts to translate, translate but it's, it. it's always wrong. He he says basically he turns the vowels that he actually says yeah. into the more legible English. Yes. Which is always a butchered meaning. And then the assistant his, director. His, no, production, his production assistant, oh, okay. Ruth, Ruth yes. Trueworthy, is um, the one Truman, who yeah, the great. one who actually mm. translates what the director wants into English. English. Sir, when would you like me to rehearse the kitchen scene? Who is your ending? Your ironing. How is your ironing? Betty, how is your ironing? My mother does my ironing. Um, yeah, but so the director is is a complete buffoon. He is the nephew of Mr. Zablotnik. Uh, he he doesn't seem to understand how megaphones work. He always <laughs> speaks into the big end of the megaphone instead of the little one, which is a great visual yeah, gag. gag yeah. Um, and he's this little. Well, he's played by by uh, the same actor who played Mr. Pinkle in um, in Twin Peaks, David Lander. We also get. Um, a, a tremendous cast of supporting characters who some of them get lines, some of them don't. Uh, some of them have very few lines, like. Hurry up, twins. Yeah, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. 
and they're played by a pair of identical twins who wear uh, who play Siamese twins on the show, and they kind of march around, yeah, hurry up, hurry up, with a yeah. like turtleneck on. It's yeah. it's kind of funny. Um, you get Blinky and Mickey, who yeah. are <laughs> the sound sound effects. sound effects and sound technicians. Yeah, Blinky is uh, not blind. Not blind, as is frequently <laughs> is explained said. every episode. Blinky Watts is not blind. He suffers from Bozeman simplex. He actually sees 25.62 times as much as we do. If we were to see what Blinky is seeing right now, it would look something like this. And yeah, and and he's played by Tracy Walter, who is a, a fairly famous character actor you would recognize yeah, in yeah. some other productions. Um, and and Mickey's Mickey kind of is a, Mickey is a visual effects supervisor, which is yeah. which is funny because he is the eyes for he's yeah. uh, Blinky's eyes. Yeah. Um, so there's that. There's Shorty, who is a giant, yeah. who is a stagehand. Stagehand, yeah. Um, yeah snaps the dog, which yeah. is... Uh, <laughs> so that's one of the first gags from the pilot is uh, this Snaps Dog Food is the sponsor. Yes. Of course, they film the commercials live. And Snaps, the dog hates Snaps Dog Food. Yeah. <laughs> so there's... And he appears in many episodes. At one point, he switches bodies, maybe, with... Yes, that's with what the McGonagall. Wikipedia, with McGonagall, the producer. I don't know if that's actually what happens. Well, it seems like they're just... It's very hard to tell what happens yes. in the show. See, there's no plot, really. There's no. The, the plot well, there is, is kind of encompassed very... by this This week's episode is supposed to be about this. Yeah. And it follows a, a 1950s variety show kind of format, um, yeah. broadly speaking. Yeah. There's skits, and there's you know commercial segments yeah. that you would see in a 1950s show. Um, guest stars who are famous Hollywood actors who come in and then they roll out the red carpet in some cases very literally for these big stars. Um, but all of the, all of the, and then the central conflict of the show, um, on with the, the primary actors anyway, is Lester Guy always trying to undermine Betty's um, success and success fame, yeah. And because fame. after the first episode, he feels like the rug was pulled out yes. from him. So she starts getting all the, the fan, fan mail, mail yeah. and she gets invites to dinner with Mr. Zablotnik, and um, so yeah, and, and hijinks ensue. Is yes, basically of what course, it boils because down every to. episode he and his assistant, who is no, she's the head of comedy. Or, sorry, Lester Guy and the the head of comedy who is uh, played by Shiona. Uh, Kim McGuire, her her name in in the show is Miss Thorne or Nicole Thorne. Um, Kim McGuire, you may remember from John Waters' film Crybaby. She played Hatchet Face in Crybaby. You sure. haven't seen Crybaby, but nope, anyway. Never saw it. Okay. Um, so yeah, the they're they're are, yeah, yeah trying to and, yeah. And initially, uh, the executive uh, played by Miguel Ferrer, right? Uh, he is also on their side, but then as the ratings kind of continue going, he he seems he to... takes it as a little bit of a step back and, yeah. and starts to be this like figure in the booth who you know takes the calls from Mister Zablotnik yeah, and which are <laughs> set him on fire and so, yeah. it, it is it is surrealist it very, is, but it's also I mean it's really kind of a prototype for a lot of similar shows that have come out since I mean really just Thirty Rock is the most. Well, Thirty Rock, one. I guess, in a sense, maybe Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip. Yeah, and and actually, Studio News Sixty News Radio. Yeah, to an potentially. Extent. Yeah, I mean, Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip is interesting to me because uh, it's it was Aaron Sorkin's project after yeah. he finished West Wing, right? And this was their project after they basically finished Twin Peaks, right? Um, and they'd moved on to do kind of a, a meta analysis of Hollywood in yeah, in some ways of exactly. television making, exactly. Um, and they both chose live yep. theater or live television, which I yeah. find is interesting. Um, but yeah, and it really lays kind of a groundwork for how that that works. You have the executive, who's I mean, okay, I haven't watched. I watched a episode of Studio sixty, right. 
Um, but it seemed to follow this formula from what I can mm-hmm. remember. Well, and even like 30 Rock does this. Well, 30 well, Rock, yeah. Right? There's because the executive got, and the creative lead. Yeah. And then there's the, the actors the, who the have actors. the conflict. And it's yeah. it's very much. Um, and that was, you know, Tina Fey coming off of Saturday Night Live exactly. and, and doing her version of this is what it's like to produce a, yeah. weekly, a comedy weekly comedy sketch, sketch show. show. So, I mean, yeah, that one matches sketch much more. Comedy show. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the. the and, and I mean. You could probably draw comparisons to other, like like I mentioned, News Radio or WKRP in Cincinnati, yeah. which you know deal with the behind the scenes. I you guess. Know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not like this is a new concept no. for for actors or producers to go on and and yeah. make a the show, show that would yeah. yeah that would comment on the the shows that they've done previously yeah. or or an aspect of their um, their industry. But but this one is. Is unique in that it is. It's David so, Lynch. First it's David of all. Lynch doing it. Yeah, <laughs> and his. The, so the pilot episode. If you don't watch anything else, take twenty three minutes and watch the pilot episode because yeah. the pilot episode is really great for a, a lot of reasons. Uh, Lindsay, you looked up and said that it TV was Guide, TV Guide listed it at one point as being the number fifty seven out of the hundred best pilots of the twentieth century or of all time. Yeah, at, uh, at, kind at of whatever thing, point yeah. that was, but um, but that that is that is incredible and it and it is a. I mean, this is the the pilot episode is what helped them get greenlit yeah. in the first place by the network that was already starting to shut them down for Twin Peaks, yeah. right? So, I mean, it is a good pilot, and you can kind of yeah. see where they're going with it. Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, no, I, I, the, the rest of the episodes don't have quite the cohesion. Like, I mean, again, we've said this before about Lynch and Frost. It seems like Lynch is willing to go off and do something right. totally random. It has no connection to anything. And that's what I'd say three out of the seven episodes feel like the, the plot really doesn't come together at all. Or it doesn't matter. Or it doesn't there matter. There is a plot exactly. anyway. Exactly. It feels like it's playing on that. Yeah. Um, and But the pilot does. The pilot feels like they have a great setup. The first third like, uh, is basically them prepping. A rehearsal prepping for the show. For the show. And then right as we, after the commercial break, the second commercial break, the show goes off the rails. Uh, yeah. Lester Guy yeah. <laughs> walks into the set and like knocks himself out kind of thing. Or... Right. Well, well, Betty uh, makes a mistake and causes him to have yes. this accident. Yes. So they think immediately that she's trying to sabotage him, but she's not smart enough to sabotage no, no. him. No, but, no. But she's so sweet anyway, she doesn't want to no, sabotage him. No, right? so... she would never hurt a fly. But no. I mean, it, so right off the bat, the first third, you, you've built up to like, okay, let's see how far this is going to match the mm-hmm. the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And then right away, it's off the rails. Yeah. And, it, and it just continues on that path. Right. Um, and yet, that's what America loves. Is that at exactly. The end. And that's that's really... So a, it feels like it's uh, Twin Peaks under a magnifying glass and, and in caricature. Yeah. Um, but just blown it, up to such extreme proportions that it's, it's, it's impossible to view this as anything but... A kind of a commentary on, on their experience with Twin Peaks, but it also seems like Aiden and I both said it seems to set the stage for what David Lynch would do with Mulholland Drive in in uh, two thousand one. Yeah. Um, in well, the sense yeah. that there's uh, not completely, but there are scenes in Mulholland Drive that um, that do seem to comment quite strongly on the unfairness behind the scenes in Hollywood and what goes on behind the scenes during a shoot or. Mm-hmm during casting or something like that. So it's, it's much darker and it's much more sinister, but it feels like I was describing this online the other day um, as being like uh, Mulholland Drive if it were birthed by Pee Wee Herman yeah. because that's what it really feels like. Yeah. It's it's like this completely 
surreal, like like yeah, just overload. And it, and it like is. there's so much there's so much dialogue you don't even hear or understand. I mean, it, a lot of that's probably due to the laser disc quality yes. audio that we get. But yeah. some of the things they're whispering or they're just saying it so fast or mm-hmm. there's. There's a lot of talking over people mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, which we've seen in Or lots a of, lot. lots of, uh, and again, it's a very Lynch thing to do, but um, shots where the people in the background are doing things that are just as interesting as what's happening in the foreground, you know, big players know. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you don't really know or where you're, you're, or you're focusing yeah. on those people and you miss what's being said. Well, yeah, yeah, you don't know where you're supposed to yeah, focus on. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, so it's, yeah. it's, um, it's, I think it's, it's not the kind of show, like, we, we literally just finished watching the, um, the last, the seventh episode, uh, half an hour ago, maybe. And I'm not quite ready to watch it again, but I think think it's the kind of show that might reward further viewing. Yeah. Not in the same way that a show like Arrested Development or... Yeah, it's um, not, it's not so much the, well, you, you'd probably miss a couple jokes. Sure, but, but but it's not as layered, I don't think. And if it is layered, it's happenstance, right? Although it is very smart writing. There is a lot of funny jokes and there's a lot of things that are, um, kind well, of I mean, reused just, lines almost yeah. that feel like they came straight from Twin Peaks the music romantic love theme number nine go darling my darling oh, sweetheart I've waited so long for this moment is it safe for you to be here now I've eluded the law brilliantly thus far yes. there's tons of music that is ripped directly from Twin Peaks yeah. when you when you hear um you know some of the themes that are played in the double R in the second season, yeah. or but it's got the same um, jazz overtones. And then yeah. okay, so the pilot is amazing. Um, well, I I think it's quite good. Yeah. Um, the other, the last episode is also quite incredible because it ends with like a, a eight minute dance number, jazz like dissonant jazz like beatnik nineteen fifties. Uh, dance and jazz sequence, and yeah. it is it is that reminds bizarre. me so much of the chor- uh, choreography sequence from the film White Christmas with Danny Kay, where he does the yeah the, yeah, yeah you know yeah, like that right. whole yeah, thing, yeah. but, um, but or the acid. scene in, oh yeah no absolutely, <laughs> you know? and you even get you know all the characters pitch in every well, single character and cast member like even Miguel Ferrer who yes. who you're like but that happened in an earlier episode I think it was he, three or four he also like he got caught up in the moment because yeah. Betty said something inspiring or something like that oh I don't think it was that I think it was it was like episode five or episode it was the Mr. Peanuts episode yes the Mr. Peanuts episode which is famous for being one of the better ones yes of the seven. yeah I think it was five yeah, yeah. and yeah. it was uh and it but yeah same thing Betty kind of inspires everybody yeah. to like let's sing along to the Mr. Peanuts song and the whole cast comes in yeah. and joins and it's the same thing that yeah. happens here. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, it's kind of like a, I mean, if it wasn't so bizarre, mm-hmm. it'd be a pretty nice statement about how uh, television can kind of bring people together. And like, well, it, is, it, it, it acts is, as a It seems like a, a bit of a, force. because, I mean, okay, so David Lynch always likes to um, reference the 50s or set things mm-hmm. in, in that kind of weird liminal space between yeah. now and the 50s. Like, yeah. he, he harkens back to that a lot. This is literally set in the 50s. Yeah. It's a period comedy piece, basically. Um and it, it does have, in, in addition to all of this surreal humor and the comedy aspect to it, there is a kind of 1950s idealism to it as yeah. well, even though it's, and, and that's really typified in, in Betty's character, who, I mean, once again, we see between uh, Betty and, and Ruth, you have um, that kind of blonde and brunette Betty and Veronica dynamic that David Lynch yeah. loves to play with yeah. that we've seen in, you know, Laura and... Donna or 
um, Maddie and Laura, like, Maddie yeah, and Laura, like, or yeah. um, or um, Dorothy and Sandy from Blue Velvet, or um, Betty and Rita, Rita. in Mulholland, Mulholland Drive. Drive yeah. Um, and all over the place. Like yeah, this is oh, yeah, this is something yeah. that David Lynch plays with a lot. Although in he in this show. Um, Betty and Ruth are like allies, and they're nice, and no, they're not. But they're they're, they're opposites, right? They're like, total opposites. Betty's completely incompetent, and, and Ruth and is fl- very bright Ruth, and yeah, Ruth is ruthlessly, yeah, <laughs> ruthlessly yeah. Uh, optimistic and yes. and bright and sunny. Yeah. Um. So it's it's not quite the same, but it's still playing with like the visuals anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um. Which well, is, the fact that they're really nice. kind of the only women in the show, like well, aside from, from the assistant, yeah, the assistant the, or the head of direct, head of, head of, of comedy, comedy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's filled with that kind of idealist, idealistic kind of spirit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. That um, you don't get in a Lynch drama. No, or a Lynch no, this, yeah. uh, thriller. I don't know yeah. how else you would describe. It's hard to pin Lynch yeah. into a, into a genre, but but um, this is this is really. I mean, if you are a fan of the wacky season two hijinks. From Twin Peaks. No, don't watch this. No, I think no, you would enjoy it. I don't think you would. Why not? I think it's it's much. I don't know. I it's not to, to me. They don't feel similar at all. Um, this one feels like it the was pe- designed to be silly. Yeah. With the Lynch undertones. Yeah. And I think Twin Peaks stumbled into that case. No, I think Twin Peaks was deliberately trying to ape Lynch in a way that made it seem... Exactly. Yes. Aping being the key thing. It right, was, right. It didn't have any of the... Of but Lynch's... I'm saying, if you enjoyed that, you would probably enjoy this. Because no. if you've made it through to season to the to doldrums of season two, you probably like David Lynch to begin with, which yeah. is why you've stuck with it. So you'll like no, David gone. Lynch... But you'll like David Lynch kind of making fun of the, the show that he once was part of. He's making fun of his own product. He's making fun of what's happening while at the same time processing what happened, I'm sure. Yeah. But but it's there's a lot of of overlap, I think. I don't I didn't feel that way at all. I felt like I don't see how you can't feel that way. Because season two didn't have any of the Lynch product. No, yet. I'm saying this is David Lynch doing season two of Twin Peaks. Or you think it's too much like season two? No, I Season two was no longer a Lynch product. The silly half of season two was not a Lynch product. This is a Lynch product. No, okay. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. hundred percent what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the people who came in in season two of Twin Peaks were trying and failing yes. to make a Lynch product. Yes. So, so this is this what's... Is, yes, okay. So season two... This is what season two... No, could, but... It probably wouldn't have wouldn't been like have been. if David Lynch no. had stayed on. No. I'm saying David Lynch was watching these episodes... Yeah that were airing or was reading the scripts that were coming across his desk and giving the okay to them yeah. and and was saying, what the hell? Yeah. And then saying, I could do this. Yeah. I have no idea if that's true. It's no, just what I'm it imagining. Feels like, yeah, that's what you it know. feels like. It's it's a very plausible headcanon that I'm now <laughs> You're working throwing okay. out into the world. Okay. So I'm just saying, in that respect, if, if you can get behind... Uh, ben Horn as a Civil War general or Nadine with superhuman strength, you can probably get behind yeah. McGonagall changing bodies with the dog, with Snaps the dog. <laughs> or you can you can buy that there would be a magician, a gypsy magician, magician who, who would just yeah. wander onto the set Kate. and suddenly make Lester Guy turn into a, a little man a little and thing, yeah. the head of comedy turned into a newt, right? <laughs> like you would buy it and you would accept it because yeah. 
on top of the craziness, it has that Lynch undercurrent that that you already love because you watch Twin yeah, Peaks. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. all I'm getting. Okay, at. yeah, no, I agree. Okay. I, I we came there, but <laughs> we got there. I mean, but yeah, I just it's it doesn't. It still doesn't feel like it's obviously as a comedy. It's not going to feel a lot like Twin Peaks. Of course not. But it but it does have that that because uh, there's no drama. Yeah, no. It is all silly misunderstandings and pure it, yeah, sitcom. It is a sitcom through and through. And and this aired in 1992 for a very brief window in the in the early summer months month. Yeah. <laughs> of 1992. Yeah. At the same time that Seinfeld was on. Yeah, the air, Seinfeld season three. A year three. before. Was Friends on was on the air. Yeah. Like, um, just to put it in context, this, like, the show was like nothing else. But it was airing at like 9.30 on a Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, so. Like, nobody was going to watch it anyways, for no. sure. Um, I mean, now we were both saying that it feels like if this was on, uh, like, Adult Swim, oh. you'd be like, oh my god, the show Because this is like, so this, okay, there you go. That's the perfect segue, because Tim and Eric's awesome show, Great yes. Job, is this. Yes, yes. But far more successful because of where well, the niche market that and this is this is the thing yeah. because we have 21st century we have hundreds and hundreds of channels and we have the internet and we have all of these the various places where shows like this could carve out a niche for themselves yeah. and <laughs> lynch had broadcast yeah, television he had ABC. You know? so this was not ever going to be a success on abc no if somebody wants to bring it back 25 years later, later just kidding that's Tim and Eric, please, if you're, <laughs> if you're listening. listening, please bring back at least one sketch of ZBC. That would be amazing. Um, but yeah, no, we, 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 I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it less than you did. Okay. I, I, I laughed weird. a lot. You did. You really I did. I really enjoyed it. But I thought it was, it was just. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I enjoyed it more because I, watching it, I could see the way that it influenced future things. Like it really. There's the scene in the pilot where uh, they show a sketch uh, in the the draft format where mm-hmm. they're they're just uh, rehearsing it, and then they show it live. It comes back live later, and it's been completely mangled and torn beyond shreds. And yet, that's by far the more entertaining version of the of the scene. Um, and then he reuses that exactly in Mulholland Drive with the the rehearsal that um, Naomi Watts's character Betty, Betty. Uh, first practices with Rita. Rita. And then it's terrible, and like they're they're basically laughing at a very supposed to be a very dramatic scene. And then when she goes in to actually do the uh, rehear or the audition, um, it turns into a really amazing piece of acting. And but it's basically the exact same thing that he's resurfaced, you know, seven years later, basically, or no, eight, I can, no, nine, I can do math. So nine years later, he basically reuses that exact same tool to um, the opposite effect. He's one time he's built up a terrible comedy scene that's not funny and is a terrible sketch. And then he's turned it into something that's really hilarious in, in the pilot. Um, and then in, in Mulholland Drive, he's come back the opposite way and turned in something that was very funny into a very dramatic reading um, that both of them serve very uh, kind of important points in the plot and the character development. Uh, obviously, there's not much character development in uh, on the air, but that whole episode hinges on that scene kind of going well at the end. Um, and but the it fact that it doesn't is what makes the show a success. Exactly. And that's, which is something completely oblivious to everybody. Except for... Except for the American public. Yes. Yeah. So it really does put a lot of faith in the American public. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really does. Which, following the election, um, yeah, nobody has any faith in the American public. Yeah, so sorry about this that. This is why we are putting this episode out on Inauguration Day to give you a slight distraction from the events that are happening on your television screens. Anyway, we're not going to get political. Well, we do. We just did get yeah. political. We're not going to get any more, <laughs> more political. political. We are We're going to sign off this very short, very special episode about On the Air. Uh, we'll put up the link to the playlist that's on YouTube so you can watch yeah. all seven episodes if we you get want two, to. Whatever. Um, and we hope that you will, uh, A, watch them, B, enjoy them, and C, join in the conversation and let us know what you think. 